one drink a day, was enough to destroy gray and white matter in the brain. The bumper sticker version of that is even modest amounts of drinking can cause brain degeneration. Now, to what degree everyone's different, genetics plays a part, how much you've drunk in, in the previously plays a part. But just the fact that we now know in 2022 that one drink of poison, which is what it is, attractively packaged poison, but one drink of poison can destroy our brain quality. I mean, that should be a wake-up call for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis-Marmet. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to the Art of Living Well podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to invite you to sign up for a health transformation audit. We would love to have you come on our show for a 15-minute experience where we'll guide you to identify what's holding you back from your ideal health and wellness, and we'll analyze with you an action step that you can walk away with. Check out episodes 121, 126, 131, and most recently 186 to hear what this would be like. And head on over to our website to sign up or in our show notes, and we would love to have you join us. And now we are thrilled to welcome James Swanwick, an Australian-American investor, entrepreneur, speaker, health coach, and former Sports Center anchor on ESPN and host of the James Swanwick Show podcast. He is the creator of blue light blocking glasses, Swannies from Swanwick Sleep, which helps people sleep better, and the 30-day no alcohol challenge, which helps people reduce or quit alcohol. Forbes magazine voted him one of the top 25 networking experts. Swanwick has interviewed celebrities, including Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Kobe Bryant, David Beckham, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. We had such an engaging conversation with James about alcohol consumption and, you know, how it's so normalized in people and kids as they turn 21 and how going alcohol-free can really transform someone's life and help you connect on a deeper and more meaningful level with others and how really having one glass of alcohol a night can destroy your life and how we as a community and as a population of people can start to look at alcohol through a different lens. We touched upon James's 30-day no alcohol challenge and dry January. And then we also dove into his blue light blocking glasses where he really explained the differences of the types of glasses and when you want to use them from his company, Swanwick Sleep. And overall, James was just such a pleasure to chat with. We loved his accent, and we could really feel his passion in everything he's doing. And we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. 
Let's face it, after a night with a couple of drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. And as a busy mom, I have to make a choice. I can either enjoy a couple of glasses of wine with dinner or a great next day. That is until I found Zbiotics. Zbiotics is a pre-alcohol probiotic and the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. The first time I tried Zbiotics was at a wine tasting event and I had scheduled this early morning yoga class the next day. So as instructed, I drank my bottle of Zbiotics before consuming any alcohol and was honestly amazed at how good I felt the next day. This class ended up being much more intense and longer than I thought, yet I somehow got through it feeling stronger and more energized than I typically would after drinking any alcohol. I now regularly take Zbiotics anytime that I'm planning to have a couple of drinks so that I can wake up the next day with a clear head and the energy I need to tackle my day. Of course, it's important to drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep to feel your best the next day. So head on over to zbiotics.com slash A-O-L-W to get 15% off your first order when you use the code A-O-L-W at checkout. You can also sign up for a subscription using our code so that you can stay prepared no matter the time or occasion. Think about your upcoming social calendar, including birthdays, holidays, and other celebrations when you may want to enjoy a couple of cocktails without having it ruin how you feel the next day. And Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason at all, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash A-O-L-W, that's Z-B-I-O-T-I-C-S, and use the code A-O-L-W at checkout for 15% off. Hi, James. Marnie and I are so excited to have you on our show today. And we just love meeting like-minded people in the health and wellness space who have really used their life's learnings and challenges to help, you know, create a space that really betters the lives of others. And we just love what you're doing. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, ladies. Before we dive into the sort of meat of the conversation, one question that we love to ask all of our guests is what is your one non-negotiable to start each day? Exercise. I love to exercise first thing in the morning. I build my life and lifestyle around exercise. Uh, that's a non-negotiable. Well, we love that. Awesome. Marty and I are both big fans of doing the same thing ourselves. So what is your? what did you do today for your movement? Well, for my movement, I went uh, to the gym and I have a personal trainer that I meet with virtually who's on the other side of the world. I'm in London, England at the moment. He's in Medellin, Colombia. Oh, wow. Wow. He calls in and I do the workout with him in my ears and he shows me what to do. It's a very cost effective way of me getting a personal trainer five days a week because uh, you don't have to. The Colombian uh, peso is not so strong and the US dollar can go a long way. So it's a little bit of an economic hack that I have where I get the benefits of having a personal trainer, but pay only a fraction of what might ordinarily be the price. And can he see what you're doing or is it all oh, yeah. by sound? Yeah. Yeah. It's all, I just, I just, uh, we patch in on the phone and, uh, he watches me from his gym. 
He watches me in my gym. I have my earbuds in. It's the only time that I use the wireless earbuds because most of the time I'm using the cord because I don't like the EMFs that come out of the, yep. the yes. Apple iPods. So I yep, kinda, have the cord too. <laughs> yeah. It's one downside I have to say because it's an hour each day using these things. But you know, every other call that I make throughout the day, I'm using the the wire cord. Yeah. So that's that's really cool. I've never heard of someone doing that before. Like, I mean, I've heard of virtual workouts, but not quite like you're describing it. So that's yeah. Well, it it keeps me accountable. I I mean, look, I would I would work out in the gym myself anyway, but the quality of my workout would be far inferior to that of having a personal trainer. So I would always still do the five days a week. It's just you know, I might do 75% of the intensity. Uh, whereas with a personal trainer, I'm like, sometimes I'm like pleading with him, please, can you go a little easy on me? <laughs> <laughs> well, well that is funny. such a great tip for our listeners too, to look into that, you know, for, like you said, it's obviously very cost-effective too. So. And I get to practice my Spanish as well. That's another great well, thing because he, yeah. he speaks English. So I get a Spanish lesson <laughs> and I get a personal trainer workout. So it's like a double hack. That's awesome. So James, everyone has a story and we would love to hear in a nutshell how you went on your personal journey and you started as an ESPN Sports Center anchor and then you moved on to be creator of sleep products, including the Swannies. And you've also dove into alcohol. And I know you've created like the 30 day no alcohol challenge. Can you talk a little bit about that with our listeners? Sure. I grew up in Brisbane, Australia, and I was a socially acceptable drinker in that I had a couple of drinks most nights of the week. I was rarely getting drunk. I didn't get arrested. I didn't wake up in a ditch. I wasn't doing anything too crazy, but I was just a very consistent drinker over 20 years. And by the time I got to age 35, I was in Austin, Texas. This was in, in 2010. And I went to a uh, an industry party at the annual South by Southwest Festival. And I had two Bombay Sapphire gin and tonics at a party. I went back to my hotel on the outside of Austin, went to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, I looked in the mirror and I just felt blah. And by blah, I mean six out of 10. And I realized that, you know, I was carrying probably 30 pounds of of body fat that I didn't want. My skin was weathered. I wasn't sleeping well. I was irritable. I was anxious. Um, my relationships, you know, they were okay, but they were pretty surface level. There wasn't really any depth to them. And I identified that this consistent habit of drinking alcohol over the years was, you know, the, the main culprit. And so I committed to stopping drinking for 30 days just to see what would happen. And in 30 days, I lost 13 pounds. My skin complexion improved. I slept better. Uh, and during that time, that was when I auditioned to become a sports center anchor on ESPN. And to my utter bewilderment, they gave me the job. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, this no alcohol thing's pretty damn good. Like in 30 or so days, I've got this job hosting the most iconic sports TV news show in the world. I'm sleeping better. I'm realizing that my conversations with people have much more substance to them. I've got more energy. I look better. I think I might just keep going with this. And so I did. I kept going and I haven't drunk since. And now, you know, I've created this, this movement, I guess, or, or helped create a movement is a better way of saying it, to really help people have a better relationship with alcohol. And then part of that clarity that I've got from being alcohol-free has inspired me to create a sleep company, 
We create these blue light blocking glasses, which help people sleep better. I'm into conscious communication, personal development and growth. And that's all a result of just making that one decision to stop drinking for 30 days. You make it sound so easy. Uh, You know, I'm wondering, was it that easy for you or that simple for you to just wake up one day and be like, okay, I'm done. I feel crappy and I am done drinking alcohol. Or did you have moments where you were, you know, at a party or, you know, out to dinner with friends and you're like, oh, I just really want a glass of wine or I really want a gin and tonic or whatever it is. The first two weeks I felt socially awkward. That is true. In fact, I was so self-conscious about letting people know that I wasn't drinking that I actually, I had a date, had a romantic date with a woman whose name was Andrea, um, about 10 days into me not drinking. And I was so worried about what she was going to think if she realized that I wasn't drinking, that I got to our date location 15 minutes early. It was actually the Jones Bar on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood. I was living in Los Angeles Los Angeles at the time. And I, I said to the barman, look, I'm going to, I'm on a date. When I order a vodka soda and whatever she wants, can you only make it a soda and just pretend to put the vodka soda in there? And he said, sure, I got you. No worries. And so that's what he did. I got through this whole date with my date, believing that I was drinking a vodka soda. Now, the problem was, is that a couple of weeks later, Andrea and I were at the Coachella Music Festival, which is a music festival they have outside of Los Angeles once a year. And I was there with her friends and one of her friends said, hey, James, I'm going to the bar. You want a drink? And I said, oh, no, thanks. I haven't drunk in like 30 days. And Andrea said, yes, you have. You were drinking on our our date. I said, oh, uh, actually, no, I wasn't. And she started asking me questions about it. And then I finally came clean. And she was really upset, so much so that that relationship didn't progress because she felt that I had tricked her, which I had. And rather than her finding it funny and humorous, she actually felt like it was a breach of trust. So that was a big wake-up call for me in that. uh, And from that moment on, I just started leading with the fact that I wasn't drinking. Yeah, I'm doing this experiment. I'm not drinking. Um, Friends uh, in the first month or so tried to put vodka in my drink and I would just shake my head. I can't believe you're trying to do this. Like so ridiculous that I'm saying I want to be alcohol free, but my friends are not having that. They're trying yeah. to put alcohol in, in my drink. That was surprising as well. But then increasingly I became more confident and to the point where I just started sharing it proactively with people. I'm not drinking at the moment and here's what's happened as a result. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that. that's 20 years ago. Like now I feel like there's a little bit more normalcy to what you're doing a little bit, still not a lot, but back then, I mean, it was even more unheard of, you know, there was no dry January or anything like that going on. And I love just what you said, like a couple of things that you brought up was like your relationship with alcohol and the conversations you had and that your relationships were more surface level. And you really noticed when you removed the alcohol in those social situations, that you began to have more substantive conversations. And that to me, in addition to the health benefits from what you're doing and your sleep is really profound. You know, like why is that when you go out to a party and you're just focused on the drinking piece, are you unable to have those really meaningful conversations? Um, I just think that's another area that people don't always think about when they remove alcohol from their life because it is usually like the sleep or how you feel the next day and everything. So, yeah can dive into that a little bit more at some point during the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, uh, you know, at that time when I first went on this journey, I was, a, I was a single man and I could, and I recall the quality 
of conversation that I had with women and the quality of the women that I seemed to be attracting just went up exponentially. And, you know, I think uh, far from women thinking that I was some kind of recovering alcoholic for not drinking, I realized that they actually were uh, admiring me tremendously for not drinking. In fact, rather than me thinking mistakenly in the beginning, oh, gee, shocks, I've got to apologize for not drinking. What I found is that some of the women that I would I would go on some dates with, they were almost apologetic that they were drinking and they were thinking, wow, here's a man who's like got his life together, who's so confident that he's not drinking. Well, I better step up to the to the plate here. I better improve my game. That was what I what I noticed. And um, that was a really eye-opening experience for me. And um, you know, then I sort of started delving into what's called conscious communication and and I did some personal development and made sure that I was 100% responsible for my feelings and for my reactions and my responses. And I, there's no way I would have done that if I had been drinking. I would have still been numbing myself with alcohol. I still I would have been procrastinating on many things. I, I think I was so much more open to delving into enriching activities as a result of being alcohol-free. Um, yet when I was drinking, again, I, you know, I'd go to the bar and watch the football. I'd go to the pub a couple times a week, or I'd, you know, I'd I'd have conversations with people, but it'd just be mundane, trivial, and uh, that was a real, real eye-opening experience. Just one more an- anecdotal story on that. My father and I, his name's Ron Ron Swanick, and he's seventy-eight years old now. But I remember at the time, he and I had a good relationship, but when we would catch up on the phone, just to be clear, I was living over in the US and he was back in Australia. The conversation would be, what are you up to? Oh, yeah. How's everything? Okay. What are you doing? Yeah. It would just be the exchange of facts. But yet when I stopped drinking alcohol and I learned some communication techniques, the conversation started to go much deeper to how he felt on his wedding day, to the fear that he felt when... He had three sons that he was trying to work for and provide for to how he felt about the, the relationship breakdown with my mother. And I remember, you know, a couple of years in, we were in Brisbane, Australia, and he, uh, I was visiting Australia and he and I had only shaken hands since I was about 10 years old. We, we didn't hug. And I remember thinking, geez, I'd love to hug my father for the first time in about 35 years here. I wonder if he might be up for that. And I kind of sheepishly asked him, I said, oh, you know, it's kind of weird. We kind of just shake hands when I see you, when I come back to Australia. And then when I leave, we shake hands. Would you be open to maybe just, if we haven't seen each other for a while, maybe we just hug. And he looked at me and I, my heart was like pounding because I was so nervous because he's a very conservative Australian man. And we don't really show emotion through hugs, at least in my household. And he said, yeah, okay. And then I, I, I kind of like, all right. I kind of tried to make some humor about it, and I and I borrowed a line from that HBO TV series. Uh, what was it? What was it called? With John uh, Vinnie Chase and uh, Jeremy Piven, uh, Entourage, Entourage. Oh, no. And yes. I said, I said, you want to hug it out? And he didn't know what <laughs> I was talking about because he didn't watch the show. But he was like, oh, okay. And so we stood up and we and we hugged, and that was one of the biggest emotional breakthroughs that I had had in my entire life. Being able to request a hug from my father for the, you know, and, and embrace him like that for the first time in three decades. And he kind of like, like very kind of embarrassingly kind of like patted me on the, on the shoulder. It was a bit weird for both of us, I have to say, but 
that was one of the proudest moments of my life, I have to say. And I wouldn't have created that experience if I was still drinking. I'm certain of that. You're making me teary-eyed just listening to your story. That's so interesting that, look, so what I'm hearing you say is that alcohol was really keeping you back from opening up and showing the world who you are and what you think and feel. You were almost using it as a veil to make small talk with other people or maybe to feel more comfortable in social situations. And as soon as that veil was lifted, it was like the whole world opened up to you. And it's just, it's so interesting to think about that way because I'm not a huge drinker. I'll I'll drink, you know, I'll have a couple drinks on the weekend. That's about the extent of my drinking. But I I don't know. It's it's just such a different way of looking at it. It's really interesting. Thank you, Marnie. Yeah, it's a different way of experiencing life is what I have found. It's a different way. I used this phrase before, trivial conversations, surface level conversations, and they're pleasant. They're very nice. It's kind of like, have a nice day and how are you? And you exchange pleasantries and that's nice, right? That's cordial, that's polite. They're the kind of conversations I was having when I was drinking. And then when I had clarity and focus and I started feeling things and I started practicing some conversation techniques, that's when I really started feeling all of the beautiful things in life, the things that weren't available to me when I was drinking. And just to be clear, I wasn't that big a drinker. I was just a consistent drinker. You don't have to be an alcoholic to Mm -hmm. realize that your drinking is compromising your experience of life at some level. And that was the big, you know, eye-opening experience for me. It's like, wow, I get to feel all the feels and I get to connect and I get to experience life in a completely different way without this attractively packaged poison, which is what I I call alcohol. And you know, what's interesting when you talk about these conversations and the clarity and focus, a lot of times, and I know you've done research on like workplace environment and alcohol and the impact that hit that, that it has is we also oftentimes think, oh, I have to go have a drink with someone socially to do like a business transaction or have a meeting, or I'm going to have a client dinner or a work dinner. And, oh, and I have to drink. I mean, I've had people tell me, like we run a detox on this podcast every quarter and they'll be like, oh, I can't do the detox because I have this big work dinner and I'm going to want to drink wine. You know, like you've- there's an expectation. There's an expectation. Yeah. But what you're saying is when you removed it, you were actually able to have deeper, more profound, meaningful conversations um, and the clarity that you have. So, you know, maybe we can shift gears a little bit and talk about that because that's not something that we've really discussed on this podcast when we've had guests on talking about going alcohol free. And we want to get into some of the other programs and things that you're running. But just what you've found from a workplace standpoint and any... Yeah. You know, insight you can share with our listeners. In my experience, my own personal experience, and then the experience of hundreds of high level clients we've had who are presidents of organizations, executives, entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, you know, very high level C suite folks, working professionals in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. In my experience, in my opinion, the greatest productivity hack, the greatest wealth creation hack is to just stop drinking alcohol. And those who do successfully create millions of dollars in additional revenue and create massive impact in the world. It's not always about the dollars, right? Dollars is a barometer, 
But if you're someone who really wants to create impact in the world and you're up to big things and you want to support people and help people and create that impact, how can you do that to the best of your ability while you're digesting attractively packaged poison? It's very, very challenging. And so what we found is in coaching our, our clients is when they go into networking events or corporate dinners or, or corporate golf days where the alcohol is flowing, we show them how to navigate that completely alcohol-free with complete confidence while diffusing any interrogation from any other person as to why they're not drinking and to have the most fun and be the most present and be the most connected and be the most strategic in a way where they end up doing business deals or having professional breakthroughs far superior to if they were drinking. Because when you're free of alcohol, you're free of the, the stress, the anxiety, the fogginess, the distraction, the irritability. And when you're alcohol-free, you have clarity and focus and strategic thinking. And I can just tell you anecdotally, we had one gentleman, his name's Gaetano. He's a property developer over in Boston. And he went through our 90-day stop drinking process. And he said that he generated a quarter of a million dollars in additional revenue just inside the 90 days that he was alcohol-free. And the way that he figured that out was that he did three additional deals, one additional deal per month that he credits to the clarity and focus and energy from being alcohol-free. So that was three new deals that he wouldn't have got because he was drinking that he credits to being alcohol-free, which equated to $250,000 in additional income. I mean, wow, that's a million dollars a year. And people don't think that way. They're so focused on, oh, I'm not spending that much on alcohol. It's a few thousand dollars right. a year, $10,000 a year. I'm, I don't really care how much you spend on alcohol. What I'm more interested in is how much are you leaving on the table because you're drinking alcohol? Well, and what was his, like, what level of a drinker was he before he entered your program? He was uh, very similar to what I described I was, which was socially acceptable he would have a couple of drinks. He'd have half a bottle of wine most nights of the week. And then on weekends, he would drink heavier, but never to the point of getting drunk or possibly getting a DUI. He was, again, a socially acceptable drinker. And just by eliminating it, he made a quarter of a million dollars more revenue. Now, again, I, it's not all about the money, right? It's not all about the dollars. Let me give you another an example here. Sometimes it can just be profound personal breakthroughs. There's a gentleman... Uh, his name is Christian. He's based in in London in the UK, 63. And he came to us a couple of years ago, um, very shortly after his wife had sadly died of cancer. And he had cared for her full time in the two years leading up to her death. And his drinking increased a lot because he was dealing with stress and anxiety. And then when she died, he was racked with uh, grief. His drinking increased as well. He came to us. Uh, he went through our 90-day uh, stop drinking process, which is called Project 90. And in those 90 days, with the clarity, he said to us, you know, my my late wife always said to me, Christian, when I'm gone, you must go and achieve those items on your bucket list. And one of those items on his bucket list was sailing across an ocean. And this is a man who had no sailing experience. <laughs> so inside those 90 days of not drinking, he committed to learning how to sail and sailing across an ocean. Wow. And I'm so, so thrilled to say that um, some months later, 
he did exactly that. He sailed from the west coast of Africa on a 17-man yacht in a in a yacht race. And they sailed wow. from the west coast of Africa over to, I think it was St. Kitts or St. Lucia in the Caribbean as a testament to his late wife. And anyone who wants to listen to him share his story, I do have a podcast. It's called the Alcohol Free Lifestyle Podcast. You can go in there. And I think it might be in November or December of last year, but you just look down for a, a title that says widower um, sails across an ocean and testament to his wife. You'll find it there somewhere and he'll elaborate and, and share the story a lot more. But again, it's not always about the dollars. For him, that was a monumental, profound experience for him that he would not have created if he was continuing to, um, you know, numb his grief through the bottle. Right. No, wow. that, that's amazing. And I've heard you talk about how one glass of alcohol a night can really destroy your life. Can you touch upon that a little bit? Because I know a lot of people think, oh, one glass of red wine a day is healthy for you. Like, yeah. Which obviously Stephanie and I know that that is not true, but a lot of people think that, oh, the some organization put this out that we should be drinking one glass of alcohol a day. So I'll, I'll talk to those studies initially, which is a drink a day is good for the heart health. So um, that concept has been exposed in recent times as flawed science. In fact, there's a professor at Canada's University of Victoria. His name's Professor Tim Stockwell, and he's from the psychology department at the University of Victoria in Canada. And he co-authored a comprehensive study that reviewed more than 100 previously published studies on alcohol consumption and mortality. And that involved nearly 5 million participants. So think of 100 studies on the effects of alcohol on the human body with 5 million participants. And what Professor Stockwell's research revealed was that almost all of those study results claiming that a glass of wine was good for heart health were completely skewed and biased. Now, just let that sink in for a moment. That is frightening to understand. These studies first started coming out in the 80s. What has, what has been revealed in recent years is that many of those studies, not all, but many of those studies were funded by alcohol lobbyists, mm-hmm. right? So you just go back and you kind of dig a little deeper and you find out who's sourcing these, who's funding these, and you realize the alcohol companies have been pushing this heart health ridiculous notion for years. And we buy it and we want to buy it. Let's face it. We want to buy into this. So in 2022, just to bring it up to the present day, uh, there was a study that came out of the UK and they looked at 35,000 British middle-aged adults. And what they found was that even one seemingly innocent drink per day, okay, so seven standard drinks a week, one drink a day, was enough to destroy gray and white matter in the brain. The bumper sticker version of that is even modest amounts of drinking can cause brain degeneration. Now, to what degree everyone's different, genetics plays a part, how much you've drunk in, in the previously plays a part, but just the fact that we now know in 2022 that one drink of poison, which is what it is, attractively packaged poison, but one drink of poison can destroy our brain quality. I mean, that should be a wake-up call for everyone. And again, I, you know, I don't want to be the, the, the party pooper, so to speak. <laughs> I'm just delivering the latest facts uh, as opposed to three decades old, quote unquote, facts that were clearly skewed and biased, at least according to Professor Stockwell in his study of 100 studies. 
Marty and I are thrilled to share two new products that we've both been using daily for several months and are loving the results. Do you need better nutrition, improved energy, or focus, but don't know how? Well, Energy Bit Spirulina Algae Tablets are your answer. They are effortless to take and organically grown. These bits of food are 100% spirulina, which is the most nutrient-dense, antioxidant-rich, high-protein food in the world. You just swallow or chew a few tablets each morning or whenever you are tired or hungry to improve your mitochondria, your energy, your gut health, focus, and reduce your hunger and cravings. They also replace the need for caffeine. Energy bits are safe for the entire family and pets love them too. Maybe you need to improve your gut health, support your detoxification, or add more green nutrition to your diet. Recovery Bits Chlorella tablets are the perfect solution. Recovery Bits USDA certified chlorella tablets are bits of food that strengthen your immune system, protect you from colds or viruses, remove toxins, speed recovery from sports injury, and add the vegetables and greens to your diet. This will ensure you're getting your daily requirements of greens and enjoying better sleep when you take them before bed. I've noticed a big improvement in my sleep. I'm sleeping much more soundly, not waking up at night. And when I do wake up in the morning, I have so much energy and just feel really well rested. If you're ready to supercharge your energy, health, and longevity, head on over to the Energy Bits website, E-N-E-R-G-Y-B-I-T-S dot com, energybits.com. Use the discount code LIVING for 20% off your entire order. And I think this information just needs to continue to get out there. You know, I do think the last couple of years, there's been a little bit more of an alcohol-free, sober, curious movement, which is great, but it hasn't necessarily like infiltrated most of the population, right? So I think it's just good that you're, we're having these conversations and that you're sharing this information because we do look at a study, you know, and we just think, oh, well, someone did a study, so it must be, it must be right. It must be accurate. You know, and I think one of the challenges is because it's deemed this rite of passage that you're turn 21 or 18, whatever the age is legally to drink in where you live, that it's something that you need to do. And I think, you know, maybe we can dive in a little bit more to your program now, but also like, how can we all start to look at alcohol through a different lens? Because really that's kind of what is needed to broaden this movement. Yeah. So yeah. just a couple things on that, some interesting things that have happened recently. In May of 2023, the country of Ireland signed in a new law requiring cancer warnings on alcoholic beverages. And that's going to kick in in May 2026. Wow. Good for Ireland. Wow. Because that's a that's, that's a country yeah. that, I mean, you go to the pub like all the time, yes. right? The Irish yes. pub, they're on every yes. corner in every country of the world, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is just a mind-boggling impactful decision, you know, that, mm -hmm. and that is going to break open the bank, so to speak. I mean, the, the levy, mm -hmm. like, there's going to be a cascade of countries following suit. Canada uh, earlier this year um, had previously, well, for, for years previously, Canada had warned its citizens and said, 10 drinks per week, you should be safe. Okay. 10 drinks per week. But in January of this year, the government said, actually, we were wrong. Sorry. Two drinks per week yeah. is what we say recommend. 10 drinks per week. That's a ton. It's, I mean, it's extraordinary. Um, yeah. uh, younger generations now are increasingly turning their back on alcohol. So there was a study in 2020 during the pandemic that found that the, the number of college age Americans who went completely alcohol free 
had risen from 20% to 28% in a decade. I mean, that's oh, a wow. huge amount. I and don't then, see that at my kid's college. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest. <laughs> those who are making the choice, the numbers are increasing. I mean, look, you're that's always awesome. going to have that cultural conditioning there. I think I think it's going to be some decades before we it's eliminated, but yeah. there is a tidal wave of change certainly happening. In fact, in Australia, my native country, um, during the pandemic lockdown, Generation Z Australians uh, were found to be most likely to have decreased their alcohol consumption, with 44% of them reporting that they were drinking less. And that percentage of 44% drinking less, that's more than double the rate for any other generation. So alcohol's reputation is crumbling. There's been a plethora of new alcohol-free drinks hit the mm -hmm. market. There's mm -hmm. increasing awareness. And thank you very much, Marnie and Stephanie, for giving me a platform to help contribute to that increased awareness. Um, new studies are coming out. And people are now are rewiring their mindset, looking through alcohol through a different lens. And rather than saying no to alcohol like you have to be sober, people are now saying yes to a health-conscious, alcohol-free lifestyle. So rather than saying, no, I can't drink, I shouldn't drink, oh, just I need to stop. Now people are saying, yes, I get to be over here and get in this direction and be alcohol free with health and vitality and great sleep and great looks. Just a warning, you do get better looking when you stop drinking alcohol. <laughs> well, that's just another added bonus of silver lining, right? And you'd think that would help a lot of people because so many people are focused on the way they look, right? Stop drinking. <laughs> I always yeah. say, especially to women, you can throw away your Neutrogena products and your celebrity <laughs> endorsed products. If you literally just stop drinking toxins that weather your skin mm -hmm. and just drink more water, your skin will glow. I mean, it's first of all, the pounds will fall off you. I should have mentioned some of our Project 90 clients can lose up to 25 pounds in 90 days of not drinking. It just wow. falls off them. In fact, I was just speaking to a lovely woman yesterday who's coming up on an upcoming podcast of ours where she lost uh, she's lost 35 pounds over two years and you should see her before and after photo it's incredible and she's so feel, filled with energy people women especially can go from having like um, in fact let me backtrack quickly there was a study that also came out of the UK some years ago that showed that if you stop drinking alcohol the visible signs of crow's feet and wrinkles around the eyes decrease by as much as 35% over the course of 10 days just wow. by eliminating what? drinking. So you can get your makeup and put it all on and, you know, cake yourself with all that stuff, or you can just stop drinking and drink more water and get the same result. <laughs> wow. Oh. So all these ripple effects. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering how people come to you, how and why they come to your program versus like checking into like a treatment type program? Yeah. Like what would be the difference? So uh, candidly, we uh, don't take people who identify as alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if someone comes in and says, I'm an alcoholic, and by a definition of alcoholic, I mean, they're, they're chemically dependent on drinking alcohol so much so that if they stop drinking alcohol, they would need medical attention. Okay. Now, someone like that, I would certainly lovingly guide elsewhere to a detox center, to something like that. The folks that we help uh, are folks who are more mentally addicted to alcohol. They're stuck mm -hmm. in this constant stop-start cycle where they can stop for 30 days, they can stop for two months, 
They may even be able to stop for three months, but then they find themselves returning to the same level of drinking uh, as previous. Most of our clients over the age of 35, uh, we found we found over time that the people who are most interested in stopping or having a better relationship with alcohol tend to be middle-aged and older. And I th- suspect that is because most folks realize that their drinking has caught up with them, just like I did when I was 35. And you realize that you don't have as much time left on the planet as you've already had, and you want the second half of your life to feel as good as it possibly can. And a lot of folks, you know, drinking has caused a lot of damage in their life. And again, it doesn't have to be DUIs waking up in a ditch. We do get those clients who've got a DUI and they come to us and they go, oh, man, this is just terrible. But mostly the, the type of, uh, of scenario is folks are drinking too much. They're not sleeping well. They've put on 20, 30 pounds that they don't want. Their marriage is strained. They're not as present with their children. They're operating at a six out of 10 in their workplace. Uh, colleagues and staff may think that they're, everything's okay on the outside, but on the inside, they know that everything is not okay. And, you know, again, not rock bottom, but six out of 10, five out of 10, irritable, stressed, anxious, and then numbing themselves with alcohol, trying to get energy from alcohol, but then stuck in this loop where they drink alcohol, it compromises their sleep, and then the vicious cycle continues. That's who we tend to support. And through a 90-day rewiring of the mindset process, we show them how to have fun alcohol-free. We show them how to have a business networking lunch alcohol-free. We show them how to not crave a drink at the end of the day after a long day's, long day's work, what to do instead. We show them all of these alcohol-free alternatives on the market. We show them how to talk to people about the fact that they're alcohol-free. And rather than being apologetic and embarrassed, actually owning it and embodying like this, yes, I get to be alcohol-free. Here's what's happening. So through that process, it's a very empowering result that is achieved. It's aspirational and it's empowering as opposed to AA, detox center, rehab center, which is dark, depressing. (laughs) You probably can't relate to the other people like you know you might be sitting next to a 17 year old meth chemist who's holding up a gas station and sharing their story how how can you relate to that so that's why you know getting people in a like-minded group of middle-aged folks who are articulate well-educated professional they're not alcoholics but they're just struggling with this thing called alcohol that's when change becomes probable it's interesting because stephanie and i were meeting with a client before this who was talking about some of these issues with us and sharing that, you know, although he knows he would like to cut down on alcohol, you know, he doesn't want to be that person in the social situation that's maybe, you know, the health nut or not fun or whatever it is. And I think that what you're doing is very empowering for people. And I think people do need that guidance because they may have the desire to stop drinking and to give up alcohol, but they, they're worried about how that is going to look and how they're going to function in social settings. I think that's a big reason why this is a challenge for people. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like giving them the confidence and being around other like-minded people is very empowering and motivating. Um, and people literally think if I don't drink, I'm not fun. I mean, 
Yeah, the, that is a that which is, is crazy to think, right? And, but that's and we're, we're so middle common. Aged. Like I get that when you're a teenager or you're you know your twenties, but to think that people in their forties, fifties, and sixties still lack the confidence and believe that they can't go out and have fun without drinking. Yeah, most people mistakenly believe that they have to retreat from society if they're not drinking, that they have to lock themselves away at home yeah. for fear that if they go out, they'll be tempted to drink. With our clients, we we make them go to social situations where there's free alcohol, where the alcohol is flowing, and we make them. I'm, I'm jokingly saying the word make. We what I'm what I really mean is we invite them to do so, but we lovingly guide them enough and push them enough that it m- might seem like make that we make them do it. We send them out into bars and restaurants and business networking events and corporate golf days where there's lots of alcohol. It's flowing. It's free. And we have them practice being alcohol-free and practice having the most fun and being the most engaged and having the the best time. Because there is no point at all in having someone come into our organization for 90 days and have them sit at home and twiddle their thumbs. Because what's happening then is that you're associating not drinking with dull and boredom and not being fun and feeling like you're in a prison. And the problem with feeling like you're in a prison is that you want to break out of prison. All prisoners want to break out of prison. So what we do is we rewire the mindset, which is you get to be in this 90-day stop drinking process and you get to continue to be alcohol-free. The gift and the reward is not drinking alcohol. The gift and the reward is outstanding health all the time from living an alcohol-free life. And weight loss and glowing skin and deeper relationships and feeling amazing and more potentially money. making more money. I mean, those are, that's a lot. You look better <laughs> naked right as well. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> right. You just, you just look better. Everything's, everything is, everything improves when you get rid of that attractively packaged poison. So can you share maybe some ideas or tips on ways to socialize without alcohol for our listeners? Maybe give us a sneak preview of what you put your people through in your 30 and 90 day programs. So before you go into any event, just commit to being the most engaged, the most present and having the most fun. Commit to when you walk into the restaurant or the bar, go straight up to the barman or the bar woman and say, hello there. How are you? Nice to meet you. May I have a drink, please? And they'll say, yes, certainly. May I please have a soda water, ice and a piece of lime? or a soda water with a splash of cranberry or whatever your favorite uh, non-alcoholic drink is. And just go straight to the bar and get that out of the way, right? Just so so you're on the front foot. When the smiling assassins, which is what <laughs> I refer to as the waiter and the waitress and your friends are all smiling at you going, hey, you want a drink? Can I get you a drink? Hey, would you like a drink? When they come at you and they're offering you their attractively packaged poison, you smile and you confidently say, yes, I would love uh, soda water. Have you got any, um, what have you got? Have you got soda water? You got some lime, you got some cranberry juice, you got pineapple juice. What, what have you got? And then when someone says, oh, you're not drinking, you go, oh, no, no, I'm not actually. I'm, I'm a couple of weeks alcohol free. I'm giving this thing an experiment. I feel pretty good. Actually. I'd love to have some, uh, non-alcoholic uh, versions. What do you, what, what do you got? Now the, the important thing here is the way in which you talk to people about you being alcohol-free is far more important than what you actually say. They've done a lot of studies of body language and persuasion and influence, influence, which show that 93% of all persuasion and influence is how you say something. It's only 7% the words that you say. So what that means is if you're confident and you've got a cheeky grin and you're smiling and you're laughing and you're open 
and you're happy and you're smiling, that is a powerful, influential tool you have there. But if you go into an event, you're going, oh, sorry, I can't drink. I'm, I'm trying to do this 30-day challenge. I'm, I'm trying not to, sorry. You know, no, I wish I could. What are you doing? Well, basically, you're being a killjoy for the fun of the group because now everyone's thinking that you're not having fun. And so they can't have fun because you're not having fun. And guess what? You're not fun. You're not <laughs> fun to be around. But here's the thing. People don't care if you don't drink. They only care if you're not fun. So that's why I say go out there and own the fact that you're not drinking. Make some fun at your own expense. Say, oh, yeah, I'm going to get drunk on this soda water tonight. Watch me swing from the rafters. <laughs> Put on a cheeky grin and just share confidently with a smile on your face that you're going through this alcohol-free journey and why. Don't try to persuade others to do the same. Just share your story and then everyone can relax Everyone can have a good time. Some people might make fun of you and you go, ha, 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 ha. But most people will probably be so inquisitive because deep down they're thinking, mm, I know I need to cut back my drinking also. Yeah. No, I love those ideas. And I'm sure your Australian accent helps too. <laughs> I can Only just listen to you Australia. talk all day. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if we can change gears here and talk about your sleep products and your passion for sleep and maybe share with our listeners some of the products that you offer and how they help you get yeah, thank better, you. Uh, deeper sleep. Well, I'd love to help your listeners sleep better. And uh, if it's all right with you, I'd love to give you the gold standard of sleep, things that you can do morning, noon, and night to help you sleep better. Um, but if I may, I'll just backtrack slightly before I do that. Um, and just do a segue between the alcohol and the sleep. In actual fact, you're you're actually better off drinking alcohol for breakfast than you are anywhere close to bedtime if you want to sleep the way nature intended you to sleep. Because at least if you're having a glass of wine or a beer with your cornflakes and toast in the morning, your body will have 16 hours to break down the toxins. So by the time nighttime comes around, you can fall asleep okay. The problem is that most people in the world are drinking alcohol at nighttime, which is basically having our body clock in for another shift of work. The body now has to go to work to break down the toxins at a time of the day where we don't want our body working. We want our body relaxing, repairing, restoring, sleeping. So when you drink a glass of alcohol, close to bedtime. It's true it may help you feel sleepy. It's true it may help you fall asleep. That is true. I would probably say it's true that it helps you pass out. However, the quality of your sleep is going to be severely compromised. You will not spend as much time in that deep REM phase of sleep. Your sleep will not be as restorative. So even if you still get seven or eight hours duration of sleep, you'll still wake up in the morning feeling tired and lethargic because that poison the night before set your body to work. So again, like I don't want to be the, 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 the killjoy here, but any amount of alcohol close to bedtime is going to destroy your sleep, which is going to lead to you feeling fatigued for the next day, which will probably lead to you trying to find some kind of sugary substance to give you an energy kick, which means you're drinking more calories, eating more calories, putting more unwanted body fat on, feeling tired throughout the day, and then the vicious cycle continues. So just something to note there on alcohol. Now, um, as it relates to sleep, 
I was in Palm Springs, California back in uh, 2014 and I was with a group of friends and we went out to dinner and a friend of mine was wearing this really ugly pair of Uvex orange safety goggles, the kind of <laughs> Uvex, you know, you know the ones I'm talking about? Yes. You know, yeah. you might wear them if you're mowing the lawn, trying to protect mm-hmm. your eyes if you're in the gun range and the, whatever, <laughs> in, the, in the gun faring areas of the United States. Um, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm trying to block the blue light. And I said, block the blue light? What are you talking about? And he went on to explain that artificial light from bedroom lights, bathroom lights, microwave lights, kitchen lights, cell phone lights, desktop lights, computer lights, the lights of the McDonald's golden arches as you're driving along the freeway, all of those lights emit an artificial blue light, which stimulates our pituitary and pineal glands, which suppresses our melatonin release. In other words, any artificial light at night compromises our sleep. Now, the only problem was you had to look like a meth chemist in order to protect <laughs> your eyes from these this blue light. Yeah. So I went back to my home in Los Angeles after he'd told me this, and I pulled out an old pair of ski goggles, which had an orange tint to it that I used to use when I went skiing at Park City, Utah every year. And I put these things on and I started watching reruns of the TV series Mad Men on AMC. And I I found that I did feel sleepier as a result of wearing these ridiculous goggles. And then when I removed them and I went to sleep, I realized the next morning, wow, I fell asleep quicker and I did sleep better. And that was when I had the idea to create a stylish pair of orange lens blue light blocking glasses. And so in 2015, we created this company. It's called Swanick. My last name is Swanick. The company is called Swanick Sleep. Uh, And we created these somewhat stylish blue light blocking glasses, which are scientifically proven to help you sleep better. The University of Washington did a a study, a scientific study on these very glasses in 2019. And what they found was that those who used the glasses in the study reported sleeping 13% better, which is huge. It's a massive improvement in people's sleep quality. And then the following day, those who wore the glasses in this scientific study also reported having 12 to 13% more productivity in their day. So they had more clarity and focus and energy. So, um, and just to be clear, I know I'm, I'm speaking at length here. I want to give you guys an opportunity to ask me questions. There is a difference between uh, using a pair of orange lens blue light blockers and a pair of clear lens blue light blockers. Uh, would you like me to explain okay. the difference? Yes, because that was my question, because mine are clear, the ones that I have. Yeah. And mine, yeah. are, mine are blue or, or you know, colored. Okay, got it. So if sleep is your goal, okay, if sleep is your priority, the only way in the known universe that we occupy currently that you can block enough of the blue light that destroys your melatonin and therefore destroys your sleep is by wearing a pair of orange lensed blue light blocking glasses because orange blocks enough of that blue light which stimulates our pituitary and pineal gland, which leads to us suppressing our melatonin, which leads to a bad night's sleep. Okay. Now, The clear lens blue light blocking glasses are very good for daytime use. You may have noticed when we started this interview, I was wearing these glasses. It's still late afternoon where I am at the moment. So I I tend to wear these blue light glasses, which a more accurate terminology would be blue light filtering glasses in that they don't block the blue light entirely. They filter it through. Now, what this does is that this gives me more energy, more clarity, more focus during the day, which is when I want energy. Right. But then at nighttime, about an hour before I go to sleep, I switch to my orange lensed Swanee's blue light blocking glasses. And now I can confidently use my cell phone, 
read a book with the, the reading lamp, brush my teeth in the bathroom light with the glasses on, knowing that I am blocking that artificial light that can corrupt my sleep so much. So that's the difference. So just to summarize that, you want daytime clear lensed blue blockers. And these are, this is from my brand as well, Swanick as well. Nighttime orange lensed blue blockers. Okay. That was so helpful because I've been wearing, I bought my kids glasses years ago and I think theirs are all clear, but I have a question. So I have some prescription glasses. I wear contacts and then I have glasses. And when I bought the glasses a few years ago, I was able to get like blue light blocking. Now, maybe it's not blocking. It's just like blue lock resistant or whatever word you said. So I'll wear those at night when I take my contacts out, but that's not, I would actually have to double up and wear like my regular glasses and then put a pair of orange, <laughs> orange glasses Whoa. on top of it. That's a common challenge. Um, our company has what's called fit overs. So you can, we have a, a pair of glasses that fit very uh, snugly over an existing pair of prescription glasses. Okay. And it may look a little peculiar, but the only time that you're wearing these glasses is in the last hour before you go to sleep anyway. So who cares? Right. Okay. Uh, also, we do do prescription glasses that can be made uh, for people with uh, who do take prescription as well. It's all at the website, swanicksleep.com. But, um, but yeah. So when you're doing work during the day, are you always wearing glasses if you're on a computer? Almost always. Yeah, almost okay. always. It's, it's Sometimes I don't. I mean, I go outside during the day. I want to, like, to be clear, we want blue light during the day. We right. want it, right? right. And, and you know you know what emits the most blue light? The sun. The sun. Mm -hmm. And the sun's so good for us. Gives us vitamin yes. D. So we want blue light during the day. We just do not want blue light at night. Night. And And the problem is- is that we live in 2023 and there's light everywhere. Artificial light is everywhere. Now, the best solution is to live your life by candlelight and to <laughs> sit in the dark each night and to never turn on a switch and to never use a phone again. And to, I mean, think about it. When you go camping and you've got a gas lantern, you always sleep flawlessly, right? Because there's no artificial light. Yeah. And then we go back to the city and our sleep's corrupted again because there's so much artificial light. So- Expose yourself to as much natural light as possible during the day and block as much artificial light by wearing a quality pair of blue light blockers at night. Thank you yeah. for explaining that because I think people are confused. You know, they hear, mm -hmm. oh, we're supposed to wear blue light blocker glasses, but we haven't had anybody come on to explain when, why, what's the difference in the lenses. So that was super helpful. Mm. Yeah, because I had been told or I don't know, a couple of years ago, I heard then don't wear them during the day because you do want the natural sunlight. And so I stopped wearing my clear ones during the day. And so it sounds like maybe more in the afternoon when you're on a computer, wear those clear lenses to help reduce the yes. amount of blue light. That's okay. a great way to do it. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I know you have a special offer for our listeners, which we will link up like the promo code to go check out your website, Swanic Sleep, and purchase a pair of these blue light blocking glasses. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, if there's a discount code somewhere, I'm sure you guys will put it in the show notes there for any of your listeners who'd like to invest in a pair. I should, I did promise that I was going to give you the gold standard of sleep throughout the day and I didn't get to it. Let me race through it in like one minute really quickly. First thing in the morning, expose yourself to as much natural sunlight as possible. Our skin has receptors in it. And when the sunlight hits the skin, it sets our internal body clock, which is known as our circadian rhythm. It says, okay, wake up time. That is actually going to help you fall asleep 16 hours later if the body knows that it's it's wake up time. What most people mistakenly do is they stay indoors. They don't get out uh, soon enough. First thing in the morning, go and stand by a window, let the skin 
hit your body. Coffee. Um, if you drink caffeine within 10 hours of sleep, that will compromise your sleep because it is a stimulant. I like to just stop drinking coffee uh, in the morning. I, I never have a coffee in the afternoon. I usually go to sleep around 9, 30, 10. Yeah, don't just try to avoid caffeine in the afternoon because it will uh, will compromise your sleep. Studies have shown that morning exercise tends to help you sleep better than if you do evening exercise. Um, they think it's because people who exercise in the morning tend to do it with more regularity and so they're healthier in general. Also, you want a cool body temperature for optimal sleep. And if you exercise too close to bedtime, your body temperature will be too high. And again, you'll have compromised sleep. Eating food as well. You want to have your last meal three, even four hours before sleep uh, because, again, your body's working, going to work to digest the food, and you don't want your body working. You want your body in a relaxed state for optimal sleep. Definitely, you want blackout curtains for sure in the last hour before you go to sleep. Put on your blue blockers to block that artificial light. What is the perfect temperature for sleep? If you can set it to 18 and a half degrees Celsius, which I've forgotten which it is Fahrenheit, ladies. I'm sorry. It's I'm going to put it in It's probably somewhere right around now. 67, 68. Yes, 60, 65 to 69 degrees Fahrenheit is a perfect condition. It's a little brisk, but it's mm -hmm. okay. Rug up, and that's the perfect temperature for optimal sleep according to numerous studies. I hope that was helpful. No, that's Super helpful. great. Super yeah. awesome tips. And um, even if somebody can try incorporating one or two of them, Hopefully that will get you started on your sleep journey and help you start to develop better sleep habits. James, how can people connect with you, find you if they want to enroll in your program? What is the best way to do that? Yeah. If you'd like to find me on social media, you'll find me at, at James Swanick. Uh, we have a podcast in Apple Podcasts and on Spotify called Alcohol Free Lifestyle. I'm also over on TikTok as well. I, I put out a lot of stuff on on helping people stop drinking alcohol and sleeping better on those social media platforms. Um, our Project 90 process, you can learn about that at alcoholfreelifestyle.com slash project 90. And Swannies and our sleep products are at swanicksleep.com. Or you can just type in Swanick or Swannies on Amazon and you'll find us there. Awesome. awesome. Well, and just we've just missed Prime Day the last two days on Amazon here while we when we record this episode. So James, one thing we love to ask all of our guests as we wrap up the conversation is what does the art of living well mean to you? For me, it's spending time with who I want, when I want, and how I want. And that is through physical health, mental health, and living an alcohol-free lifestyle. I mean, if I'm doing those things, my life is just beautiful. I love it. doesn't mean that I don't have problems and challenges come up from time to time. But if I'm alcohol-free, I'm exercising, I'm getting natural sunlight, I've got good friendships. I, I, I prioritize my friendships and my communication with them. Poof, that's a that's an art. That is a that's a beautiful lifestyle. I love that, and I love how motivating you are and inspiring. Um, definitely making me think about at least trying another thirty day challenge. I've done dry January a number of times, but maybe I'll try an additional month and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, please do. Because most people do 30, they want to reward themselves with the drink on day 30 or 31. <laughs> Whereas if you push through to at least 90 days, I, I think that you'll experience something quite profound. Yeah, I'm I'm super intrigued also. And I know our listeners are going to take a lot away from this conversation. It was great. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, have, have a, a great beautiful day. day. 
You're welcome. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank okay. you, Marnie. Appreciate you. Bye, James. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.